morning. Oh, you're a bit more enthusiastic now, at least. Right. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, Andrea. Good old warm-up act there. Uh, right. Well, we have reached the end of our missional life course, and hopefully it has encouraged and challenged you over the last 10 weeks to think about how we focus our lives on partnering with God in mission. And today, as we come to the end, uh, we're thinking about design. Uh, Thankfully, that doesn't require any particular artistic flair from you. Um, But we are going to be thinking about how we deliberately design our lives around mission. So, I wonder if God has ever asked you to do something that you didn't want to do. There's some smiles around the room, yeah. God does that, doesn't he? He asks us to do things that we don't always want to do. And then um, often they turn out wonderful. But to start with, we're not entirely convinced that they're a good idea. And for me, it is talking to people, talking to strangers about Jesus. I don't like it. Uh, I don't enjoy it. I don't like answering people's awkward questions. And what I really don't like is when you go, uh, you know, would you like to come along to this? Or have you heard about Jesus? And they go, no, thank you. And then you've got that awkward, like, what do I do now Um, moment. I I just don't like it. And so um, one of my real low points of my training at St. Melitus College was um, a day when we had this guy come in to speak to us. And I'm not making any associations, but he's one of Steve's friends. (laughs) And and he was awful. He was really awful. And he sort of swaggered in with his flip-flops and his shorts in, like, March or April time. Um, And he went, today, you guys are going out on the streets of Liverpool to talk to people about Jesus. And we were like we're not (laughs) and he was like no no you are Uh, and so we sat through the first half of his lecture about sort of speaking to people about Jesus and um, there was a growing sense that we were not all on the same page and then we got to the coffee break and it was a very purposeful group of people who exited the room to get coffee and make clear to our tutor that we were not going out on the streets of Liverpool to talk to people about Jesus. And uh, and we came back in from coffee and we sat ourselves down and we noticed that they had sent the chaplain, who was a lovely, lovely man called David, very gentle, very sweet guy. Uh, They'd sent him to sit in at the back, obviously sensing that this was not going to go well. What they thought David, who was lovely, was going to do about it, I don't know. But they sent David in, he sat at the back, and we got, you know, we got through the rest of the lecture, and he was like, right, now is the moment. Off you go, into Liverpool, find somebody to talk to about Jesus. Well, by this point, we'd formulated a plan. So we got up, purposefully walked out of the cathedral, walked along Hope Street walked into the chippy, bought some lunch and sat around having a moan about the morning's lecture. (laughs) But I am a bit of a rule follower, so I did mention Jesus to the lady in the chippy. (laughs) And as far as I know, she hasn't yet come to faith, but if that happens every year, you never know what might happen. 
Why am I telling you this story? I mean, why am I telling you this story? Um, well, today in our passage, we see this perfect example of Jesus, don't we? About how to design your life around the call and the will of God. In the first part, in Matthew 20, we see that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him if he went to Jerusalem. And then, just a few verses later, we see him boldly doing it anyway. He's just told the disciples, we're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be handed over and I'm going to be flogged and I'm going to be killed. Let's go to Jerusalem. Jesus isn't fooled by the response of the crowds as he enters Jerusalem. He knew exactly what he was there for. He'd gone on purpose and he'd gone for a purpose. He hadn't just wandered into Jerusalem. Everything in the Gospels that leads up to this point is building towards this final visit. Jesus knew that his life had a design and a purpose to be fulfilled, and he was focused on that even when it wasn't what he might have wanted. Just like Jesus wasn't doing any of this stuff by accident, you will not live a missional life by accident. You won't. You won't live a missional life by accident. That's one of the things that this last 10 weeks has taught us, isn't it? That this stuff, to do this stuff, takes thought and effort and commitment. To become a people who are following Jesus and engaged in the mission of God requires us to act with purpose. And so I have done the Missional Life course, I've done it through our sermon series on a Sunday, I have done it uh, in deeper, and I've done it with a community of people over the last 10 weeks. And so I wanted to share with you some of the things that I think God has been speaking to us about and has been doing in us as a church, and about how I think that helps us to design our lives around mission. There are three things. So first of all, prayer. When we set out on that first week of this course and I spoke about God and about the mission of God, do you remember that week when just God was the topic? Um, I said that um, all of mission, all of our mission flows out of our relationship with God. And, and obviously I knew that was true, I'm not just saying stuff, um, but I didn't realise how important for us that statement would be as we went on this journey. I really feel that over the last 10 weeks, one of the things that God has done in us as a church is point us to, we set out on a journey of mission. We wanted to spend this year focused on how we could become a more missional people. And I think God has said to us, and prayerful people, that you can only become a more missional people if you become a more prayerful people. And so as we've set out our mission, we've become drawn to prayer in a deeper and more intentional way. 
So here's what we see in the example of Jesus. Jesus goes away to pray, doesn't he? We see it all through the Gospels. Jesus withdraws to pray, to spend time in the presence of the Father. And then he goes out from that into mission. This one's really fascinating to me because I think it's not something that we would do. I think it's something we have to learn to do. The, the stepping away, but particularly Jesus steps away from crowds. I think for us often, when we draw a crowd, when we start to draw a crowd, we think, this is great. This is going really well. God's blessing this. We should definitely carry on. But there are times in the gospel where Jesus has drawn a crowd and, and it's looking really good. And then he goes, right, that's enough for today. And off he goes to spend time with the Father. That's a real challenge to me. How do we, as things grow, as we see people come to faith, how do we not get so attached to our programs and our success and the things that we see God blessing that we lose sight of the relationship that powers it? Jesus is sacrificially obedient. You don't just wander into sacrificial obedience. It's a deliberate decision to do God's will. Jesus sets out for Jerusalem, even though he knows what's going to happen when he gets there. Jesus' whole life is ordered by prayer. He doesn't just squeeze in one more tour of Galilee because he's been having a great time. When it comes the moment when the Father says, go, Jesus goes. That's because all of his priorities, all of his decisions are shaped in that time with the Father. And he has kingdom insight. Jesus knew what the Father was doing because he spent time in his presence. And then he always acted on that kingdom insight. We need to follow this example because Jesus is the example of how we live our lives in relationship with God and in mission in the world. But there's even more reason for us because you're not Jesus and you don't have a natural connection to the Father. You need to be spending time in God's presence if you're going to spend time on mission. Plus, we need the Holy Spirit who empowers us for mission. When we spend time in prayer, we need to be encountering the Holy Spirit. When we come to worship, we need to be encountering the Holy Spirit. Because Acts tells us, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You need the Holy Spirit to empower you for the mission of God because you can't do it on your own. And we only receive that power by spending time in his presence. And then we see, we want to act with authority, don't we? When we set out on mission, we want to speak with authority. We want to speak with wisdom. We want to be speaking into people's lives in a way that is helpful and powerful. And to do that, we need authority, our authority to come from Jesus. 
in Acts chapter 4, we see that the apostles are made the leaders of the early church because they are the ones who have been with Jesus. Their authority to lead comes from the time that they've spent in the presence of Jesus. And this is really important because if your authority to lead and your power for mission comes from the Holy Spirit, comes from the time you've spent in the presence of Jesus, then it is really easy for you to not become too pleased with your own abilities. It's easy for us to stay focused on building his kingdom when we know that all of the power and all of the authority for it is coming from our time with him. Our time in God's presence also shapes our identity, doesn't it? You can boldly proclaim the gospel if you know that you are a beloved child of God. If you know that God has spoken to you and directed you, then you can be much braver and bolder in the things that you will do to follow him when you're clear about what his voice sounds like and that you've heard it. So that's our first thing, is prayer. All of our missional life has to flow out of prayer. And so in our designing a missional life, that should be done in a prayerful place. It should be done in, in a way that we're hearing God speaking to us and adapting and adjusting to the things that he's telling us to do. The next thing we need to get right to live a missional life is we need to get our priorities right. And we do that, first of all, by being attentive. Jesus is attentive to what the Father is doing in front of him. When he heals somebody, it's because he sees the Father doing it. When he goes somewhere, it's because he sees the Father going there. Jesus, if you are familiar with the triangle shape of up, in, and out, Jesus has his up priorities right. He has a solid relationship with the Father. But Jesus is also committed to the relationships he has with those around him. Even on the cross, we see that Jesus cares for the people who he's shared his life with. On the cross, Jesus cares for his mother, for his friends. That in relationship, those people around you who will encourage you and challenge you, and lead you forward as you go on this journey of missional life. You need those priorities right to have good relationship with God, good relationship with others. And it's only out of those places that we're able to go out. So our next priority is to be obedient. Jesus is really obedient to the will of God. We see in this passage that Jesus goes even when he may not want to because he's obedient to the will of God. He's not led by his preference. Sometimes we can, we can talk about um, following the will of God as a, as a feeling. So, you know, I feel peaceful about this. I feel like God's, God's in this. But sometimes following the will of God doesn't feel peaceful. Sometimes it feels uncomfortable Sometimes it feels difficult. And if we know that it's God, we push on anyway. In our avoidance of be becoming legalistic and religious, sometimes we've settled into a pattern 
where if it's not comfortable for me, I don't do it. And that's not obedience to God. We are to be obedient to the Father in all things. And then, following on from that, we need to think a bit about what are the things we're going to give up in order to follow Jesus in this sacrificial and obedient way? What are the things that need to be reshaped in your life so that your priorities line up with the priorities of God so that you can design your life around his will and around his mission? There are some serious questions there for us about the things that we fill out our life with. And for me, one of the huge things that God's spoken to me about as we've gone through this missional life course is about leaving the margins. I love to pack my days out. I love to be busy. I love things to be full. I love um, just all, all of everything to be really packed out. And, and I can overdo that. And I've been challenged by, we've had a couple of talks over the last 10 weeks that have talked to us about leaving space for what God might want to do. That if my day is absolutely packed in every moment, then when is the space for God to divert my attention to something different? When is the space for me to go, yeah, I can stop and talk to you about that? And that's true for our time, but it's also true of our resources. It's true of our energy. If you are maxed out all the time, then where is the space for God to redirect our priorities for his mission? And then finally, practice. When we... um, set out to design a missional life. There are some practices that we need to embed. And they take practice, if you see what I mean. Both both words, practice. Communicating the gospel. Who was challenged by that that idea that we need to be clear about what the message of the gospel is and how we effectively communicate it in our generation? It takes practice. We have to have thought about it. You will not do a good job at telling somebody the gospel if it's the first time you've ever thought about what you would say. Hospitality. You know, how, how are we drawing people in? Where are we making space in our lives to share with others? To make space for others. We, a little while ago, a few years ago, we, we set out, um, Justin and I, to have a period where we would share at least one meal every week with some other people. And then, um, and looking back on it now, it was brilliant. It was a really powerful time. God introduced us to some wonderful people. Um, and there were people who were sort of around the edges of our church who being invited in made a huge difference to them, actually. We didn't particularly invite anybody who wasn't connected to our church, but there were lots of people who were around the edges. And when we invited them, they felt like they'd been pulled into the middle of the community. They felt like they'd been included and welcomed. Um, And some of those guys are off training to be vicars now. Like That was a start point for them engaging more deeply in their discipleship because they became more central to our community. And it was hard work, to be honest. We're vegetarian. 
no one likes eating our food. <laughs> we, you know, we would invite some people around and I would have to tidy up and then I'd have to cook something. And the best ones uh, brought us some amazing pudding. They brought like, um, you know, the, the Ben and Jerry's with like a core of caramel. They brought that. They were my favourites. Um, but <laughs> do you ever come round? <laughs> Feel free. Um, no, no. So, but we had we had some brilliant interactions with some wonderful people, and for us that was really formational. It taught us loads about sharing our lives with somebody because if you do it every week as a discipline, eventually there'll come a week where you don't have time to tidy everything or you don't have time to make the perfect meal and you have to just offer what you've got and actually people love being welcomed into just genuinely what you've got the week when you know the kids aren't on their best behavior or you haven't you know dusted people just love being invited into life with you and that's really powerful so we have to put those things into practice and we have to practice them, keep doing them and get better at them so that we become more and more who God wants us to be. And then as you're doing them, watch out for what's the next thing God might invite you to do. So today you might feel like, yeah, God is actually asking me to share my life with people a bit and practice a bit of hospitality. But in a year's time, it might be that, God, you've done that and you've practiced it and it's embedded in your life and you keep doing that and you start doing one of these other things. We need to be open always to following where God's going and to practicing and becoming more and more missional people. Living a missional life takes practice. And if you've done the course, then over the last 10 weeks, you've been offered the opportunity each week to go and try out something that will help you embed these practices into your life. And it's, some of it's been challenging, hasn't it? Some of it's been difficult. Sometimes you might not have managed to fit it in. But this is not the end point of the course where we stop doing the homework and that's it and we've ticked off being missional and we're going to move on to something else. This is the point where we say, God has done this stuff in us. God has opened our eyes to all of these things that we can shape our lives around that invite other people into relationship with us and with him. And we need to start to embed them. We don't leave them all behind in the course. We take them with us. We put them into practice and we keep growing in them. A missional life will take on a different shape to the complacent and the ordinary. So if your life is not changing shape as a result of what we've talked about in the last 10 weeks, then go back, <laughs> look again, because your life should be changing shape. You should be doing something differently as a result of hearing God's voice over the last 10 weeks. John Tyson, who wrote the Missional Life course, says this, Bored people have entertainment. Consumers have preferences. Religious people have rules. Busy people have lists. Missional people have stories. And this is what we see, isn't it, in the example of Jesus in our reading today, that Jesus 
life story is folded into the story of God and your story should fold into the story of God. Connected to others in relationship, obedient and connected to the mission of God, your life will take on the story of God and it will invite others to stitch their stories into. Because God's story is one of redemption and restoration and life in all its fullness. And that's what we want to offer to the people we love, isn't it? We can only do that if we put into practice those places where people can connect. If we're aware of where God's at work. 